Today's show is sponsored by The Wandering Owl. TheWanderingOwl.com Imagine yourself under a starry sky, around the warm glow of the sacred fire, as your hosts Sarenth Odinson and James Stovall talk about shamanism, animism, books, science, psychology, pop culture, and more. Won't you come and join us around Grandfather Fire? Learn to hear my feeble voice at the center of the sacred hoop. You have said that I should make the tree to bloom. With tears running, O great spirit, my grandfather, with running eyes, I must say, the tree has never bloomed. Here I stand, and the tree is withered. Again I recall the great vision you gave me. It may be that some little root of the sacred tree still lives. Nourish it then, that it may leaf and bloom and fill with singing birds. Hear me, that the people may once again find the good road and the shielding tree. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Around Grandfather Fire. You're listening to episode number 13. Come on up to the fire and get warm. That opening prayer was by Black Elk, and I found that at the Xavier University website. Uh, I'm joined again tonight by my good friend and co-host, Sarenth Odinson. How's it going, Sarenth? Quite good. Quite good. Just uh, finished dinner, and I'm looking forward to tonight's show. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So... We're everybody you you'll be hearing this a few days after we record it, but right now we're having this massive winter storm going on. So um yeah, I hope everybody is safe and bundled up and, and keeping warm. You might even hear the occasional creaker groan here in the background because I have a, a bush that likes to tap on the window when the wind's coming out of the north, so Oh, so your tree vitier definitely talk to you. Yeah, right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Try to if wake me closely. up at night. Yeah, exactly. It might be Morse code. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, the reason I wanted to open with the the prayer, the Earth prayer from Black Elk, is that there's some stuff that's cropped up in my Facebook feed just tonight, and I thought it was really important to talk about. It ties a few things together, um, and I've shared it on the Around Grandfather Fire Facebook page as well which you can uh, all find, I hope. I hope you're uh, liking and following that page. But there was a Native American elder named Nathan Phillips today who um, essentially there was the March for Indigenous People, Indigenous People's March and Rally. And as the rally was breaking up, 50 to 70 young people gathered around and began to mock and, and, and Nathan calmly sang a song about trying to calm his it was a medicine song to try to calm the anger and toxicity in these young men and i want to send out our our prayers and love for him for having that kind of courage and that kind of strength to stand up in that in the face of that hate and i'm i'm so sad and sorry that there's so much hate going on right now 
And then I, I, it kind of brings us full circle a little bit because it's something else that I wanted to talk about. And I, I, you know, I apologize. I don't, I don't like to get into political talk all that often, um, but it sometimes it has to happen. And one of the things that mm-hmm. I wanted to bring up that that story just reminded me of something that I really wanted to share with you guys, and that's that this shutdown. We all know it's affecting federal workers, um, and there's a lot of people right now that are lined up in. Uh, for for food assistance they're trying to they're taking out low interest loans or no interest loans there's they're struggling to make ends meet with this extended shutdown but what a lot of people don't realize is those living here of us living here on turtle island um, the native american communities are particularly hard hit because so many of their services come from the federal government food programs health programs um uh, a lot of times, you know, income support, housing, there's just all kinds of things that come from the federal government. And so once again, our government is breaking the treaties and the promises that we have made to the people who lived here before we did. And so I'm hoping that you guys will help share this message and get it around a little bit. I did a little bit of searching around. Now, obviously, if you're in other parts of North America, there's there's probably areas or organizations that are a little bit closer to you, but I found a really good one. Um, It's called Partnership with Native Americans, and you can find it at nativepartnership.org. And this is an organization that mostly out west services 60 reservations across the United States, and they do things like health and food assistance and that sort of thing. And if you go to their website, there is a donate button right up on the corner. And I don't care, you know, just donate, even if it's just a few dollars. If we all donated $20, $25, there's, you know, there's enough of us where that might get some additional meals out and some additional help during this really hard time. Because, you know, like I said, there's a winter storm raging right now. So think about Mm -hmm. some of those reservations that are up there in North Dakota, Montana. I know Nebraska got hit really hard with the storms. Let's Let's make sure that we're doing even just a little bit. It's it's reciprocity. We live here on lands that their ancestors occupied, and, and most of us are probably standing very near places where their ancestors lived or hunted or died and are buried. And we... If if our if our stupid damn government doesn't feel like they need to meet their obligations, maybe we should step up and do it. I'm hoping we all will. Your lips to the god's ears. Yeah, I mean, I it's it's just kind of disgusting to me. I I I reached out to a few other people to see if there was any other organizations, and I mean, like you know, for those of us that are in Michigan, for example, I'm sure that there are tribal governments that we could reach out to that might be able to give us more local resources. But I just wanted something that was a more blanket website, click here to donate sort of thing to just start getting the word out. And and if you guys could, when you hear this, whenever this uh, you hear this, even if the shutdown is over they're still going to be really behind they're still going to have a lot of problems the the problems will not disappear instantly even when the the government opens back up so if you could take a few minutes and share the link around put it on your facebook page your twitter feed and and help get the word out a little bit um i would have a ton of gratitude i believe sarah would as well i I, absolutely i i'm really hoping that we can help out 
Yeah, folks, uh, understand the BIA has been notorious for not doing their job to begin with, and they're doing it even less reliably with the funding cuts, and it will take them probably several months to get their act back together to where they were, and that wasn't all that great to begin with. So every little bit that you can do helps, you know, and it doesn't matter how big or how small, if you can put forward some some prayers and some something to back those prayers up mm-hmm. exactly that's exactly that's the thing is you pray and then you do yep exactly exactly the very practical approach of praying and then doing and and um anyway i i i would greatly appreciate it and and i hope that um that we can all do that it's i think it's the least that we can do given that the, the, those of us that live here in the united states or canada or or, or mexico these are um here in North America, the the least that we can do for living on these lands, I think. Yep, absolutely. And thank you for for saying all that. Yeah. So uh, with that, uh, now that I feel like I've gotten that out of off my chest a little bit, if, if we can we can go ahead and turn to a little bit more um, mm. positive and happy notes, if you want. Um, Sarenth and I both are going to be at convocation in February. So if you're within driving distance or you want to take a flight to the Detroit metro area to see Sarenth and I, we will be um, at convocation. And the schedule is now up for convocation so you can see exactly where he and I will be teaching. And uh, and you can even see what classes we've clicked on that we might be attending as, as participants or, or listeners in that are learning ourselves. So. I hope mm-hmm. you come and check that out. I know, Sarenth, you've got like a panel discussion. Is that correct? So I've got two, I've got two courses, uh, two workshops. And uh, the first is Polytheism and Tribal Societies, which is a discussion uh, between myself and Amabaran exploring uh, tribal polytheisms, what it is and how our gods, ancestors and spirits are part of the tribe. In exploring tribe-based polytheism, we're going to go over reciprocity, ancestor veneration as they are part of the tribe, spirits, mm-hmm. what a tribal polytheist mindset is and how it functions. Uh, the other workshop I've got um, is a solo one called Yggdrasil, its roots and its worlds, heathen cosmology. And that digs into the ground of heathen northern tradition cosmology, explores the world tree Yggdrasil, where its roots run and the worlds that rest within it. And from there, we'll explore who lives where, the tribe of the gods, and what ancestors are and where they can be found and what Vatir spirits there are. And that, that'll have a Q&A section at the end, so come with questions. Uh, the Polytheism and Tribal Societies one is going to be a 90-minute class. It's going to be at 9.30 in the morning on Saturday, the 23rd of February. And the other class, the Yggdrasil, its roots, and its worlds, is going to be on that same Saturday at 2 p.m. Excellent. Yeah, both mine are going to be on Friday. I believe the first one's at 4 p.m. That's going to be my talking stick presentation, which um, uh, is really transformative in a lot of ways it helps you speak your truth to power and helps you to be able to listen to other people go through that same process and then i believe it's at eight o'clock the caro fire ceremony which um a lot of people love and uh, this is a tricky one because we are in a hotel for this convention so part of it's going to be inside part of the fire ceremony is going to be outside and if you want to know exactly how i'm going to pull that off you're just going to have to show up and see so, oh, see, all, all the ones I've been to have been outside. I'm really gonna. I'm really curious as to how you're gonna pull this off. Yeah, well, you know, you know, it helps that I'm part trickster. So, <laughs> just a small part, a little bit. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, just a little bit. I'll believe that. So, 
and so something else that we want to talk about with convocation. Um, let me see. How do I want to lead into this? So uh, something that's really exciting that's going on is Sarenth and I have been lining up a lot of guests for this show. And I mean, oh, we yeah. are we are doing interviews. We are currently booking interviews for March for things that to, we're going to present on this show, um, including the interview you're going to hear in a few minutes, which was a really fun one that we had a few days ago. And but in the process of booking interviews, we got to talking to other podcasters. So while we're at convocation on Friday afternoon, we are going to be partnering up. This is the big announcement with the really popular three pagans and a cat podcast, a really awesome podcast. And if you're not subscribing already, you definitely should be. They've got a huge community support Mm -hmm. on discord. They're a great podcast and they, um, and, and their show and ours, we are going to be doing essentially a simulcast where all five of us are going to be around the same microphone recording a show, which is going to get released on both channels. So if you guys are uh, fans of that show, uh, we hope that you'll enjoy that episode. But I'm really excited because they are a fun group and their show is always interesting. And uh, I don't know, I think it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a little party. Oh, yeah little bit of a party going on we like to get goofy on the show sometimes anyway but that ought to be a spectacularly fun show oh i can't wait i yeah. can't wait it's I'm, gonna be it's gonna be good oh like i'm 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 really excited for it yeah it'll be good to see all three of them there and uh the, the, apparently and this this kind of caught me off guard i didn't realize that one of the podcasters was showing up to my workshops until somebody pointed it out to me i'm like oh oh okay <laughs> <laughs> So I'm really, I'm yeah, really I know excited. the three pagans and a cat podcast. They, um, they are very big fans of your presentations at, uh, pagan fest. So I, I know they were eager to attend. So, <laughs> well, this is going to be a good time then. Cause, uh, I, I love sitting down and listening to them cause they've got this really cool family vibe as they bounce off each other. Yeah. And uh, I just enjoy listening to them. It's exactly. Just, it's like coming together and sharing their paths. Exactly. So if you're not subscribing to them yet, go do it right now. Uh, three pagans and a cat and that way by time we all get together for our big crazy talkathon, um, you'll be familiar with them and what they do and I think it's going to be great but one last thought too while I'm on mm-hmm. the three pagans and a pat, cat thing uh, they have a very active community on discord and so I've been thinking about that a little bit Sarah I want to throw it out there to our listeners I want to know, do you guys, is, is there a way that we should be interacting with you in a different way? I know Facebook's not what it used to be. Twitter's not really for conversation mm-hmm. sort of thing. Do you guys want us to have a, a, a special forum somewhere? Should we have a Reddit forum? Do you want us on Discord? What kind of venues would you guys like to communicate with us? I've been thinking about that a lot, and I want to make sure that uh, we're easy to reach and that you can communicate with us in the way that you like best. Yeah, absolutely. That would be really cool. And, you know, who knows, maybe as we go along, you know, maybe we throw out a, a broadcast time or something and people can listen in as we're recording. Who yeah, knows? exactly. I mean, we could theoretically, we could record a show while we're on Discord live. I mean, it's it, so we'll, well, I don't know, maybe we'll see what we can do or uh, uh, the first 10 minutes of the show while we're really rambling and being silly, we can uh, Facebook live it or something. Who the hell knows? We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, so bring yeah. those suggestions in. Yeah, folks. bring those suggestions. Send them our way. And of course, if you're listening via Anchor, the Anchor app, 
the home base for this show, if you have the Anchor app on your phone, you can just click that little button and leave us a voicemail, too. You can uh, give us a audio feedback in your own words on the show, and we might even use it on the show. So, or not, you know, like, don't, <laughs> don't, don't let that be an impediment. Don't be like, oh, man, if I leave a voicemail, they're going to use it. No, you can ask us not to, and I won't. I'll be nice about mm-hmm. it. I'm, I'm generally speaking nice that way. Mm-hmm. He's usually a nice trickster. Usually. <laughs> usually. Yeah, well, huh. But yeah, yeah, those two uh, things, it depends on which half of my brain I'm using, I guess. <laughs> so if you want to get a hold of us, uh, hit us <laughs> up through the Anchor app. Uh, you can also hit us on uh, Twitter, email. Um, I'm sarinth at gmail.com. Uh, I'm at sarinth on Twitter. Um, if you have questions, hit us up between those two mediums. And uh, for you, Jim, what's your Twitter? Your uh, James, at James at the Owl. James at the Owl for Twitter and uh, Instagram. I'm wandering white hat, and you'll be see pictures of of my cats and sometimes ceremonies that I'm working on, and the occasional tarot spread and whatever the heck else crosses my mind. Comic books. You'll see a lot of comic book covers on there. So I give show the cover and give a brief review. So excellent. Yeah, I'm really excited too. I got I just picked up a great pile yesterday. I got new uh, Wonder Woman and. Uh, let me see. Firefly. Gotta love the Firefly. They got a new comic series out. I'm on like, uh, it's on like episode three. New Fantastic Four where Doctor Doom takes on Galactus. Gotta love that. Nice. And there's this one that I'm really kind of fascinated with at the first ep- uh, issue. I, I've got the second one. I can't wait to read it. It's called Goddess Mode, um, which is huh. fantastic. It's the first issue was uh, it's it's DC's Vertigo imprint, and the first issue um, essentially think Cybermancy, like the the crossover between mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, cybernetic cyberpunk sort of thing, but with a magical sort of subcontext. Like there's magic and psychic energy running through this network as well, and uh, Goddess Mode, yeah. The, the title is very revel- relevant to the plot that they're laying out. So I'm, I'm really kind of excited to see where that goes. I think it's got a lot of potential. So uh, DC's Vertigo imprint is, is kind of kicking ass. I love it. That's really cool. Yeah. I yeah. have to check that out now. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Because <laughs> it sounds like Shadowrun 5.0 to me. Yeah, kind it's of right in a alley. way, definitely. But it's one of the because it is. It's one of those things where... Um, it's you know it's rebels within the system sort of thing right so Ooh, okay. I don't know, yeah like take a shadow run and throw in a, a pinch of matrix and maybe a, a little of uh of like books of magic or something and and kind of stir gently Ooh, okay yeah yeah so i'm kind of excited about that dc's vertigo imprint they're doing a lot of stuff with uh, neil gaiman's uh sort of universe building process where there's a lot of overlap between uh, the worlds of mythology and our world sort of thing and magic and and so they're all if he's not writing them directly uh he's like inspiring that little corner of the universe that imprint and it's i don't know it's pretty fantastic stuff so far sounds like it thank you jim yeah yeah Hey, you never know where people are going to get inspiration from, right? I mean, I know a lot of my inspirations over the years have come from some pretty strange sources. So, <laughs> my uh, my uh, consumption uh, lately of books and stuff has been a little more dry. <laughs> I still haven't caught up with my American Gods. I need to just sit down and open them. 
Oh, it's like this stack is getting, you know, it's, it's oh, getting called the American schmuck. gods, the, the comics. comics. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. I need to actually open them and I need to actually like read, actually read more than a couple of issues of my spider Gwen because <laughs> I'm so far behind at least five, yeah, six man. months. Oh man. You're going to have to just go in and get the trade paperbacks at this point. <sighs> no, no, no. I mean, I collect them. Oh, you I just got haven't opened them. them yet. You just... <laughs> Like they look really pretty on my shelf. I'm like, I'm yeah, like, I hear you. Uh, I but, hear uh, I've been putting Sun Tzu in my ears. Uh, on oh, Audible. Yeah, I saw you saying that something about that on Facebook. Where'd you, uh, where'd you get that from? So the great courses series has this great selection on audible. And, um, it's one of the main ways that I, I consume media. Now, uh, I can't take my comics to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I'm on break, I like to sit back and uh, listen. And so, I'll, you know, I'll have about a four, 30, 45 minute chill time and I'll right. pop in. And so um, this particular one's only, I think, two and a half hours long. A lot of their lectures are like college lectures. Like you sit down for you know, some, some of these are 24 hour long lectures. Wow. And they'll go over stuff like religion in America or uh, the last one I just read was cultural or religious literacy in the 21st century. Um, so uh, the Sun Tzu one is a really cool breakdown of the text and, and its history is what I'm going through right now. And that's really fascinating because, you know, if you ever pick up a copy of it, you know, it talks about, you know, so many Lee for the army and, you know, it talks about the measurements that you need to think about and tactics and, and all those are really cool, but wow. a lot of don't go at all into the history of, of where Sun Tzu came from. That's pretty fascinating. Yeah. So having that historical context is really fascinating and having it in my ears as I'm sitting there and going through and doing things. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that's kind of where my brain's at is, uh, is consuming Sun Tzu and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and someday soon sitting down, <laughs> sitting down with my comics I'm actually doing through. Maybe I'll get around to doing some uh, academic reading one of these days, but Eh, I mean, who knows? Made, uh, I'm, I'm saying this kind of tongue in cheek. If they made motion comics for Audible, I'd be down for that. Oh man, that'd be fantastic! I remember the yeah. early days of playing around with Flash when I used to do uh, work with Flash a bit more, making really basic like motion comics and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And yeah, my daughter's got all this cool software now and a tablet and all, but she's too busy now. She started college. None of us have any spare time. You know how that is. I'll do well. I'll do well. <laughs> um, really quick, want to preview for everybody too that we've got. Like I said, we've got a lot of really awesome guests coming up pretty soon, um, including uh, we've got Doug Motel, which was a fascinating interview. I think everybody's going to like it. Was it's, it's, I, I don't even know if I can describe this Doug Motel interview that's coming up. We've got um, in about. Uh, two weeks, roughly, we're going to be dropping a really nice long interview with Galina Kraskova. Uh, we've got an interview coming up with uh, Sensei Alex. We're going to be talking about a uh, non-sectarian approach to Dharma, which should be kind of fun. And yes, just I'm all kinds of really cool interviews coming up. But I just wanted to throw out there, if you guys, if you're listening and you uh, 
are interested in being interviewed as well, or you know somebody that would be a great interview. We had one pop up just today where they just sent us an email and said, here's what I'm doing, and here's the book that I just wrote, and and we're getting them scheduled on the show as well. So if you think that you want to be a guest on Around Grandfather Fire, to step up to the fire and take the talking stick and, and share with people, we would love to hear from you. Make sure you drop us a line there as well. Um, probably the quickest way is uh, serenthegmail.com, or you can email me um james at the owl at gmail.com or excuse me jim at the owl see i'm getting all my accounts mixed up now <laughs> uh, knew that was going to happen uh, yeah so make sure you hit us up if you're interested or you know somebody would be a good interview we've got a couple of these interviews that are coming up that were just from referrals hey i know somebody that would be great so we've been doing a lot of that as well so yeah absolutely and they don't have to be spiritual specialists so actually uh, kind of ties into our, our guest coming up um they do not have to be spiritual specialists they can just be people with unique experiences that you think would be good, a good fit for the show um you know we're not just limited to people who are teachers or are are doing workshops we're our, our audience is more broad than that so if you're somebody who might be just a average joe member of the local painting community and you want to talk about your experiences that's perfectly fine right right or, you know, like if you're friends with Neil Gaiman, you know, whatever. Right. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Neil, hey universe, uh, just just saying and all that, just, you know, saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know. want to send our comic industry specialists our way. Yeah, exactly. Ellen well, Moore, I mean, like, somewhere in the ether. <laughs> well, I think about all the the different things that we talk about on this show man I, like we could if someone wants to talk about uh um the effects of of movie making we would talk about that if they want to get if you want are, are doing like some really interesting stuff with a spiritual medium of music you know we'd love to talk about it just whatever the 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 love the thing i love about the show is we could we can go anywhere we want with it Mm-hmm. And we have gone some really interesting places with yeah, it. We sure you know, have. Um, you know, we've had guests who've talked about you know how music and media have affected their spiritual outlook on things. It's not yep. that these things are in isolation. So bring it on. Bring <laughs> on the guests. All right. Any other real thoughts or announcements that you want to cover, Sarah? Or are we no. Good? All right. I, I think we're pretty much tapped. Yeah. So Once again, I just interview. want to remind everybody: go and. Uh, and, and donate to some local sources or um, you can once again visit nativepartnership.org to donate there to help support uh, over 60 reservations across the United States. So hope you guys will do that and share that. And uh, with that, we're going to jump over to our interview tonight with Jordan Kelly. And Jordan kind of came to us uh, through some networking. And Jordan's a fascinating person that does a great blog uh, has some I mean like some really interesting posts and thoughts that you can find at ourweirdlives.com this was a really fun interview kind of back and forth a little bit and exploring things and uh, she's not a shamanic practitioner but has spent some time with one it was been big part of her growth so we thought it was a great interview and uh, absolutely yeah with that we'll just turn you over to the interview with Jordan Kelly
And we're joined tonight by someone who has a really interesting blog that you can find online at ourweirdlives.com. Really fascinating. There's a lot of really good little articles and links and everything in there. I was reading a very fantastic article about getting to the core belief, the root of what has hurt you in the past. So we're joined tonight on Around Grandfather Fire by Jordan Kelly. How are you doing tonight? Good. I'm doing great. Honored to be here. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it looks like you've got a really interesting and varied background. I was kind of fascinated looking at your, your biography a little bit. Can you tell our audience a little bit of more about you and what you do? Um, yeah, so I, I actually got a degree in civil engineering. Uh, tried that out for a few years and realized that it wasn't um, very fulfilling. I I as I have this um, analytical side to me, but I also have this deeper spiritual side. Um, I was a transportation engineer and it's like, yeah, bike lanes and traffic lights are good and everything, but you're going <laughs> to die one day. Can we address that first? <laughs> um, and so actually three months ago, I quit that job to pursue a creative entrepreneurial job. So um, I have my my blog going. I'm um, a life coach, and I'm working on a book that will be coming out here um, probably about six months. Oh, great! What's the book about? Um, it is about how the only thing you're looking for is yourself. Oh, fantastic! That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Um, you've got a really, like I said, a really uh, a lot of really interesting links in that on your website and. Um, I don't know. I I find it interesting. It looks like you go through. You, know, you are not a shamanic practitioner yourself, but you interact with a shamanic practitioner or two here and there. There's that's part been part of your path. Is that correct? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm forever grateful for um, the shaman that I work with regularly. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be the person I am now without her. Oh, that's fantastic. What kind of work do you do you do with her? Um. She has this awesome sacred space that she set up, um, and it's like as soon as you walk in there, you can just feel the energy. It's so much different. It's so peaceful, and whenever I haven't been in there for a few um, months and I go back in there, it's like, oh, man, this is so nice. (laughs) Um, And so I have done a few... um, really concentrated um sessions with her so it's like um like for 12 weeks we'll meet every single week and she'll do um I'll lay down on a table and she will put her hands over my chakras and tune things up and things will just start coming to her visions will start coming to her and she Hmm. records the sessions and it's you know after the session it's really powerful but um it's when she sends those email transcriptions of the recordings, it's like, wow, there was so much there. You, do you find yourself going, wait, did we really experience that? that really <laughs> yeah, happen? yeah, exactly. I'm still kind of cracking up a little bit at the thought about going from transportation engineering to, to what you're doing now. Does that like, do you get a few head shakes from some of the people you went to engineering school with? What is that? that that's kind of funny in a way. Yeah, for sure. A lot of people don't get it. And I kind of knew that that was going to be the case um, when I decided to forge my own path. Um, 
sometimes it's hard, but I find that the more that I put myself out there and speak my truth, even though it's scary, um, the more aligned I feel in myself and um, the more aligned I feel in myself, it seems like the more everything else around me falls into place. See, this is really fascinating to me because you're one of the few people that we've had on that isn't actually yourself a, a spiritual specialist in the in the fashion of being a shaman or a shamanic practitioner. So it's really interesting to hear from uh, essentially the other side mm-hmm. of how you go through these experiences. Can you talk about kind of your setup and your your regular process in things? Yeah. Um, so the very first time that I went to see my shaman, I wasn't, uh, I was very open, but I, I held things loosely. Um, I, it was sort of weird though. Honestly, it was weird. Um, she, she started singing and she started, I could tell she was reading me in a way that nobody had really read me before. Um, mm-hmm. it was vulnerable, but it was, uh, comforting. But I also feel like um, I have a few friends that would be totally uncomfortable in that sort of situation too, which is really too bad. Um, but I think when you're open to things and, f- and when I, when I was open to things and I felt into how it felt in the moment, it just felt like this is something that my soul has been needing for a very long time felt like there was a lot of things that wanted to come through me that my shaman was able to um open up in me and she taught me a lot of um practical tools like um, meditation tools and different um journeying tools and she gave me a lot of physical tools like a lot of stones and necklaces. Um, but I think, I think maybe the best thing she taught me was the importance of ceremony and ritual. Mm. So, um, now I was so inspired by her sacred space. I started to create my own sacred space in my house and I have my altar and, um, whenever I need, I I feel like I I can tap into some of her energy and some of her peace by lighting a few candles and um, calling upon a lot of her guides and my own guides that I've met along the way through meeting her. Oh, yeah, that's fascinating. I I was actually there was I'm I'm glad you said that that was going to be one of my next questions is she helped you uh, be introduced to your guides and have you started to build a relationship with them yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, um, I realized I had my guides with me um, even before from from as long as I can remember, even since I was a kid, um, Lion was always there um i tried to make a wolf my favorite animal but lion just kept popping up (laughs) (laughs) um and but what she has done is helped helped me find freedom and my own ability to um have my own visions and so um you'll see on my site there's 
I started to finally let my freak flag fly a little bit and share my visions and um, <laughs> the the things that I've learned from my guides. Um, and the, if people get too uncomfortable with the term guides, I just call them imaginary friends. Um, <laughs> that's kind of what they what they feel like too. They're so real um, to me, but it's okay if other people think it's crazy. Um, but with seeing how my shaman works with her guides and how seriously she takes them um, in ceremony and in ritual, it has helped me take my own guides and my own inner wisdom more seriously too. And I, that's led to um, a huge death and rebirth. Would you say that... Um at least I think it's my feeling and probably Sarah is going to agree with me here that, that we do not as, as human beings, especially in our culture, have enough room for ritual and, and ceremonial practices. And it feels like they're really important, but there's just not enough of them in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I feel like they've also, been very institutionalized. I, I say that because I, I grew up in the Christian church um, and they had their own ceremonies and rituals. But as I was deconstructing that religion, um, I was going to a Christian college at the time. And I, as I was deconstructing Christianity and I would see these rituals from the outside and think, this is weird. This is so weird. Um, and so I was really put off by ceremony and ritual for a long time um, because it left a bad taste in my mouth from what I, it, it was so religious to me. Um, but what I'm learning is that it doesn't have to be religious at all. Um, ceremony and ritual brings us in, it invites us into ourselves really and our inner wisdom. And it opens us up as we go into ourselves, we realize we are one with everything else. And I feel like um, ceremony and ritual help me take that deep breath to become aware of the present moment mm -hmm. um, of what is around me. Whereas before I had ceremony and ritual, um, and, and I think our society in general, we're just running around trying to prove our worth. Um, we're going from one thing to the next, hoping that Maybe the next thing will be what we're looking for. But if we would just find a practice that could help us take that deep breath, um, I think we would become aware of a lot of things that would shock us and change us for the better. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's, um, that's something that keeps coming up over and over again with the interviews that we've done with a lot of different practitioners is that... Um, there's there's a lot of need in in our society, our culture amongst people. We're not feeling the connections like we used to feel to to spirit, to our own lives, to, you know, the food that we eat and where it comes from. That We're just not feeling those connections. And there's like a longing there that people are really seeking to fill. Yeah, absolutely. I was um, I'm reading the book Sapiens. Have you guys read that book? No, I can't say no. I'm familiar with that one. It's 
Fascinating. So um, while I'm listening to it, it's like 15 hours long and um, it's Sapiens, a brief history of humankind, but it goes from um, when humans first evolved, um, when we were still hunter and gatherers, foragers, and how um, I'm, I'm almost to the end of it now where, you know, we're just talking about wars and the and industries and capitalism. And it said in that book that, you know, with each new invention, we're another mile away from um, the things that actually fulfill us, that the things that made us the happiest back when we were foragers and had less tools and gadgets, but we were actually one with the earth, with spirit, with everything that actually matters. Wow. So that's, uh, it's interesting uh, hearing this, that uh, even even the social sciences are starting to catch up with the understanding that there's a, a real separation that we've put between ourselves. And it wasn't like nature imposed this. This is something we did to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it sounds to me like um, kind of tying back some threads from earlier that the work you do with your shaman and the work you do in your daily life now is kind of retying those old threads and saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to put all this aside and this is just our time to connect. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And I, I feel like those times are the most fruitful times. Um, I used to be really into productivity and efficiency and um, you know, really into self-help and doing all I can. But what I've found is those times with my shaman, the times that um, I'm able to connect in my own sacred space, those are the most fruitful times and the times of um, the most... Uh, productivity is the wrong word because it's not about being productive, but the most um, epiphanies or the time that I'm most aware of things uh, is when I take that time to get off the hamster's wheel and to connect with spirit and myself. See, and, and that to me just, just speaks to the power of, of that ceremonial time where um, it sounds to me like you're, you're tapping into uh, what we sometimes call mythic time. And where it's, you're out of the, the, the linear focus of, well, it's now, you know, 710 and I've got so much time to do X and Y. It's kind of in that mode of setting the non-necessary, like you said, hamster wheel aside. Um, and it sounds very similar to the states I go into when I do, oh, sometimes when I do prayers or poetry. It's that liminal space where time isn't a worry it's not an anxiety it's just something you're swimming in does that kind of sound yeah absolutely i feel that way when i'm um writing too sometimes when i'm writing mm -hmm. um yeah you just slip into this creative space where um yeah you're not worried about how much time you have left or how much time you spent on it it's just time just is Right, where you need to get the words or the story out of your head. They just they're just flowing and you just totally mm -hmm. kind of lose track of what you're doing. Yeah, that's the sweet spot, man. That's right. <laughs> is 
is the use of ceremony, um, since it, it made such an impact on you, is that something that you incorporate in some way into the life coaching that you do? I want, I'm curious about how you carry that forward. Yes. Um, actually, one of the first sessions that I have with people is um, a little meditation for them that takes the entire session for them to meet um, an embodiment of their higher, uh, older, future, wiser self. Um, because actually, that was one of the most life-changing things that I ever did um, was was meet that person. And whenever I need to go back um, and find counsel, I know where to find her. Mm-hmm. And so I want other people to have that um, too. And I feel like that it's helpful as you go through the life coaching process and somebody's not sure about where they should go or they have two, two things they want that aren't congruent with each other to be able to access um, – in your mind's eye, that wise part of yourself, um, it never fails to leave them with peace and with a direction. Hmm. Yeah, that's almost a, a, a shamanic practice in its own right. You're doing <laughs> yeah. That, really. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, forgive me, my mind kind of bounces around sometimes as I as I think about these things and process them, but. Is there, so we're, we're looking at a, a mythic time, ceremonial time. We're looking at, at the coaching techniques that you're using and that sort of thing. Um, as odd as this sounds, do you see a corollary between the, the things you learned as an engineer in any of this spiritual shamanic uh, uh, coaching type work? Are, are there things that overlap in any way? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, in some ways, yes. And in some ways, no, I, I would say for, for me, um, being able to hold the practical, the concrete, um, the analytical and the problem solving parts of engineering along with the spiritual, um, the, the, um, contradictory, the, um, erythral, the, um, things that you can't see except for in your mind's eye. Um, well, for some of us, (laughs) (laughs) and, um, I feel like holding that paradox is spiritual in itself. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, I feel like it's, I feel like for me, I, my calling isn't to be a spiritual practitioner. It's to be able to be that bridge between, um, the skeptics and the shamans. Yeah, I definitely get that. Yeah. I I get where you're coming from. That's a great way of phrasing it too. I like that a lot because you know, in, in spiritual paths of all sorts, there's there are multiple layers and levels to what people do. And so that was kind of the nature of my question, because like even a lot of shamanic traditions, they'll talk about, um, 
you know, in, in modern times, in Western shamanism, a lot of it is about the spiritual work and it's about the, the healing work and that sort of thing. But when you go back to, to villages, to old school times, it was really about practical things like, can you make the corn grow? Right. So that's why I was curious about where that overlap is. So I, I am, I think that's really neat to hear you say that you feel you're like a facilitator, a bridge between those two worlds. I think that's a very valuable role. Yeah, yeah. To be able to be in that space in between um, the what you can see and um, and what you can feel, and to try to help translate or at least get people in the door um, of deeper spiritual work is really rewarding. Yeah, to me, when when I'm uh, reading your posts here. That's really what strikes me is is this consistent work to translate where you're coming from. And uh, the one that really kind of struck me on the nose with this one was the drink the stew post. Yeah. Where you're translating this experience for the audience and you're reaching across the gap of your experience to the audience and trying to like, come along, come along. It's okay. Yes, this is gross. Yes, this is not the most pleasant thing, but... <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's uh, it kind of reminds me of of hurting in a way. It sometimes it's hurting your words and sometimes it's hurting your audience members along to to understand that yes, this process of making stew sucks, but <laughs> it's gonna be tasty once you're finished. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I feel like um yeah, I, I feel like especially thinking back to when I was um, very religious, you know, if somebody would have just started talking to me about um, shamans or um, non-duality even, like that would be so foreign to me. I would have written them off right away. Um, and so I, I think back to who I was and what I needed to hear back then. Um, I mean, even as an atheist or anybody who isn't versed in um, the spiritual lingo, it's so it's so easy when you start talking about ruins and tarot decks and ceremony and ritual, even they're like, okay, yeah, whatever. But I think if, if you can start with where they're at and learn to speak their language, they'll actually realize it's actually not so bad. It's actually really great. Um, to be to open myself up to more of a spiritual practice. I find it interesting that of of any animal that came to you for this particular post, it was the snake. And <laughs> I know the lessons it brought. So it, it kind of communicates to me to the ideas that you're talking about, whether you're talking about Christians, atheists, or people who are just trying to find themselves. Are you often in this kind of liminal space of helping people to shed that skin and to get used to the stew? Is that kind of where you're finding the meat of your practice, if you'll pardon the pun? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. I think probably also because that was the practice that um, meant the most to me. When I, when I became aware of the shell of personality and how much I relied on things, how codependent I was because of it, and as, I, as through that awareness, it, it eventually um, dissolves and it dies. 
and um, being able to drink the stew of my former self as like a, a former, like a vaccine to always remember where I've come from and uh, to have it fortify me to not get sick in that way again. Um, I feel like it, it gives me peace that I can keep moving forward, keep going deeper, keep being here in the present moment now and be able to feel safe being vulnerable and being myself. And so that's kind of my, the, the whole premise of my blog, the tagline is embrace your weird. Really. I mean, it's just like, you can, you're okay how you are. We're all weirdos. Um, where where we struggle the most is when we try to resist that <laughs> right yeah trying to trying to get into that conformity mentality causes uh so much injury to ourselves really you know that you're trying to compete with other people you're trying to live in their image you're trying to keep up with the joneses you're trying to force yourself into boxes that you don't fit into so much of our trauma just comes of things we've done to ourselves yeah, exactly. They they say, uh, I was reading a book, um, it's called, oh, The Happiness Trap, very good book. And it was talking about how there's two different kinds of suffering. There is clean suffering, which is, is just the things that happen, the bad things that happen that cause pain, the losses that happen. And then there's dirty suffering, which is the suffering we cause on ourselves by resisting our suffering, by believing that we aren't enough by believing that there is something about us that needs to be fixed, that um, we need, we don't have what we need. So we need to go out and get it. All of that stuff is suffering that we could totally avoid if we would just um, shed our, our snake skin and realize that we aren't our personality. We aren't other people's opinions of us. Uh, we aren't, our success we are just us and that is more beautiful than we could have ever imagined so so as saren said we we don't often get people that are kind of on the other side of the equation and so what was it that point what was that uh, that moment where you decided that you were going to seek out a shaman or a shamanic practitioner what when was that that pivotal moment that brought that about? I think it was as soon as I started becoming aware that the game I was playing wasn't working. Mm -hmm. um, I, learning about my Enneagram type actually um, helped me see it's a, the Enneagram is a personality test that, that um, is not doesn't just put you in a box and tell you what your type is, but it's actually a map back to who you are underneath your personality, back to who you were before um, people told you who you were supposed to be. Um, and so actually taking that test helped, helped me become aware of the games that I was playing and how much I was trying to um, earn admiration so I could finally believe that I was a worthy person and how all of that's a lie. And as that became, as that started stripping away, I realized I need some help with this. And I, I 
for whatever reason, I didn't want to go back to a traditional religion or institution. And I'm, I have been getting those, I've been, I had been getting visions for a long time at that point. And so I was like, well, maybe there's something to this. Maybe I can, um, talk to somebody who won't think I'm weird when I say I had a vision last night and Lion told me this and that and this and that. And, um, (laughs) because, because a lot of my friends at that point would be like, that's weird. Like, cool, good for you. They would smile and nod. But um, it was nice to be able to uh, find a space, find a person who um, totally embraced it and totally got it and was able to build off of it and bring out more of that in me even. Was it? Yeah, I'm not. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead, Sarah. I think one of the most frequent refrains I hear from people uh, whenever I give divination or when they come for counseling is, well, this is going to sound really weird. And yeah. I think that's the, that's the <laughs> best opening lines I've ever heard in all my spirit work is, you know, and I'll nod and I'll go, yeah, okay. But that's, uh-huh. <laughs> You're going to have to reach for weird at this point. Right. It takes but, a lot uh, to shock right. us after a while. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, seriously. Yeah, from from my side of the table, you guys have no idea how relieving it is to be able to um, talk about those things with shamans, um, and and even just even just to be heard and understood and feel like we're not so weird um, is so rewarding. Your guys is, I mean, so even if your work, if that was all it was that would be life-changing. Um, and it's just because it's so much more, you know, that's only the beginning. It's, yeah, I, I just light up when I talk about shamanism because I have so much respect for the practice. And it, it I wish that our society held a lot more space for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that uh, Jim will probably agree with me on this one. I, I, <laughs> I sincerely wish we uh, had more space for it. And we had more respect for it in this society. There'd be so many, there'd be so much less groundwork to cover. <laughs> well, I, I think with sociology, you know, kind of taking notice and we're seeing, we're finally getting to a point where we're seeing the acceptance of like Reiki practitioners in mm-hmm. professional medical settings. And I, I, you know, I'm starting to see the first few edges of people being more accepting of having someone with shamanic experience on say a hospital staff or something. So I think we're getting there. I just, I, I almost wish that it would happen faster. I think it would be better for our society if we could speed up that process just a little bit. Yeah, I, I wish so too. But I think that you're right. I, I feel like people are, are starting to realize that all of the things in the ad campaigns aren't working. Mm-hmm. Like all that people are we're, people are wealthy enough now to have tried everything. They've tried all the beauty products. They've tried, um, you know, the massage or they've tried the, all the self-help books or going to conferences. And it doesn't it's not working because it's not getting to the heart of it. And so I feel like people at the end of their rope are finally starting to um, open themselves up to things like Reiki, even, and, and um, to more mystical practices that I think will, well, they'll have a lot more success with. 
Wow. You know, are you attempting to tell me that the secret to inner happiness and fulfillment is not proactive? Because I saw the ad the other day and it was pretty amazing. <laughs> I know. Yeah, those marketers, they know they know what they're doing. Right. I mean, hey, I had a social media influencer tell me this is the secret to happiness. So <laughs> I think I better listen to that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I know. I, on Netflix, I was watching the show um, Insta Famous, and it's like a 20 minute episodes of people that got famous on Instagram. And it's just, it's like so silly, but also so sad to, you know, to see what people are doing just to get attention. And um, so that they can feel like they are worthwhile humans, even though it's really not productive at all to our society or to helping people or bettering um, our planet. So you, you go ahead, go ahead, brother. Sorry. No, 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 it's fine. Uh, um, I was just going to ask. So I, I, you said that, you know, when people come to a shamanic practitioner, they're relieved because the weirdness is accepted. But I'm, I'm a little bit curious. Was it difficult for you to find someone to work with? And how did you kind of vet that person? Was there a process like that? Because I think sometimes people have a lot of difficulty finding the right person or knowing who to trust. I'd be curious about your experiences. Yeah, Um I, I wish that I had a better story for you guys, but I had reached out to a few people and just, just based off of their response back to me, it wasn't bad or anything, but I was able to, to follow my intuition enough to be like, okay, that's fine, um, but I think I'm just going to keep waiting for now. And then as soon as my shaman, Shanna, responded back to me, I was like, oh, her, for sure, her, there's no doubt in my mind. Um, and so for me, it was really just, um, an intuition thing and a knowing and waiting until, until I knew it was time. You know, that's not a bad answer. I, I think there's something to be said there mm-hmm. about, uh, um, people trusting their intuition in this regard and not relying on, you know, making the joke about social media, but not relying on who's got the best social media posts or, or, spending a huge amount of money to go to a retreat somewhere on the other side of the world. So you just trust your intuition. If you feel like you have a connection with someone, I found that a lot of the best practitioners, when they're not the right person, they know as well, but the people that come to them, like if, if someone comes to me and, and I'm not the right person to work with you on your issues, I'll help you find the person that is. And I, I think that that's a common practice for the people that, have some sort of integrity that should be respected. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. It it really, I mean, social media presence or any of that stuff, it really, um, it says little about compared to what your intuition tells you. Right, trust your guts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you let off with, with um I think it was really funny how the results is downplaying of, of your instincts. But I mean, what we've been talking about thus far has been really about tapping into and trusting your instincts. So for some people that is the first bridge to cross. Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds like even in your, your own seeking, that was kind of like, okay, I actually have to trust myself that I know this is going to be the right person when I find them. Yeah. Yep, exactly. But I also, I also feel like, um, there's also no no pressure 
with that either. I mean, if somebody's listening to this and is feeling mm. like, oh, okay, well, I need to learn to trust my instincts or, you know, I don't know what that means yet. So I, I should, you know, like, and feeling bad about themselves in that way. Really, I feel like I don't know how it happens, but what you need always seems to come to you. Um, and so it, a lot of times it's just like taking a, a small step if, if you feel like reaching out to to a few different shamanic practitioners or Reiki practitioners, then do that. But if it doesn't feel right, I, I don't feel like it even takes you doing anything um, other than keeping your eyes open. And I feel like um, what you need will will fall into your lap. Do you want to, I don't know, you mentioned her name real quick. Do you want to, I mean... You want to go ahead and give a shout out to the person that you work with? Do you think they'd be okay and open to that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, um, I feel like I wouldn't, I'm not going to quite do her justice, but her name is Shanna Raven and she is, she is awesome. Her website is at heartfeltwholeself.com. Um, it just launches here in Portland, Oregon. She, she has several local clients, but also she has people fly in. Um, to do uh, intensive weekends um, and and stuff like that. She she is um, the most um, nurturing spirit that I have been around, and and she she I mean probably similar to a lot of shamans. She just knows things, um, but is never intrusive, and um, she does a lot of work with as a death midwife as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's something that Saren has a lot of interest in Mm -hmm. as well. Yes. Yeah. So she is amazing at holding space. Um, And actually she was telling me um, she was, that she was caring for a woman for some years um, spiritually, but, but staying with her in her home and, when the the woman her health finally degraded and she was at in the hospital for a while and Shanna was there just holding space for her and um you know she Shanna said just the fact that she said that there was so much progress so much spiritual awakening that happened in those last two weeks at the hospital um that she was just blown away that she she was just trying to keep up she had every time she walked into the room she had to raise the energy raise the vibrations because this lady was just taken off um and she said that when the when the woman passed her her entire family um just thanked shanna for everything that she did and they asked that um shanna would continue her practice with a couple of their daughters um, or at least one daughter in particular, and that they um, were going to keep her, they were going to keep paying her severance um, until uh, she could she could um, find more clients. And it was just, I, it, listening to her talk about that experience was mind-blowing for me, and it just reinforced um, how much more I wish shamanism and spiritual practice was involved in our society because um i i feel like that's so much more valuable than you know a priest coming to visit you once and 
and then you're on your own after that. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that because I, I think we're going to have to reach out to her for an interview as well. Yeah, I think I think she would love it. Yeah, I hope you do. She's she's awesome. Coming back to your website real quick, ourweirdlives.com, and that's where people can find you for life coaching and, and other things that you do. But one thing that I know that before I got deeper into my spiritual practices that, that I struggled with a lot. And then I know a ton of people that struggle with is anxiety. And you've got this really great post about uh badass Buddhist practice for changing anxiety. Could you tell mm-hmm. that a little bit about that? Tell that story a little bit. Yeah. Um, so it's called Tonglen and I first heard about it from Pema Chodron. Um, and it, yeah, it forever changed my anxiety because it, it, what it helps me tap into how big I actually am inside. Um, so, so the practice is when I'm feeling anxiety, um, I, the, the very first step is to be aware that you're feeling anxiety and, uh, to actually, it's so counterintuitive, to actually soak in all of the feeling of anxiety that you can, to, um, to observe it, to, to um, really welcome in the anxiety, really get in touch with how, the, how you're feeling, um, become aware of your body. And then the second step is to get in tune with everybody else who is feeling anxiety right now at this moment, because you can count that there are probably millions of people feeling the same amount of anxiety or more that, than you are for the same reason. There could be somebody else across the world that's almost in the exact same situation as you. Um, and so as you get in touch with your own anxiety, you move your awareness to becoming aware of everybody else who is anxious at this moment right now. And what you choose to do in that moment is take on their anxiety too, Um, because you're feeling it. So you might as well, you know, help somebody else if you're already, you know, you're already, you're already there. Um, And so you, you, you take on their anxiety that you might feel it and they won't. Um, So it's a practice of absorbing the feeling, helping, feeling connected with other people, helping, um, you know, wishing, sending the, the wish, the vibration out that other people won't feel this, that you will feel it for them. And you'd think that it would uh, make you so anxious you couldn't function. But what it helped me do was realize how big I am inside how much emotion I can hold. I can hold the world's anxiety inside of myself and I can still observe it. I can still be me. I am the sky that is holding the clouds of anxiety. I'm the movie screen that is holding this anxious movie. Um, you know, the, the movie might be going crazy, but I'm the screen, I can't be hurt or affected by the movie that's playing. I can just be present and be here in this moment. And um, 
once I realized that I might still feel anxious, but I'm no longer wrapped up in it. Like I have anxiety, but anxiety doesn't have me. Um, but it's so counterintuitive because you actually get in touch with the feeling, you bring more feelings um, of anxiety. But the connection with everybody else in the world that is feeling the same thing that I am right now helps me feel, number one, not alone. Um, and also, number two, realizing that I can hold all of their anxiety for them and still be able to come out on the other side that I, I, I could hold all their anxiety and still have space for happiness too. That, that was life-changing for me to be able to realize that. That, that is really fascinating because I, I can see where it hits on multiple levels because not only are you, you know, you're not alone. You also, by absorbing the anxiety of others, you, um, are able to kind of analyze it a bit more and realize that it's not such a personal thing. It helps you be more objective in a sense. And plus it taps into your sense of service that you're helping other people, which automatically helps release endorphins. It lifts your spirit to know that you're helping someone else. So I can see that's a, there's a lot of levels that are going on there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so counterintuitive. Um, but it is, very powerful. That's probably why it's so powerful. <laughs> um, I found that with counterintuitive teachings, they're some of the most powerful ones. Yeah, anxiety, the way, I, at least that we experience here in Western society, here in America, is we're so individualistic that it's counterintuitive for us to make it a collective experience. It's yeah. counterintuitive for us to say, I share this with other people when so many of our anxieties arise out of personal situations or personal grief or personal unhappiness that to depersonalize it in and of itself is actually a really powerful measure. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't even have to be just for anxiety. I use it for sorrow too, or feelings of betrayal or um, honestly, if I get nervous before speaking events, there's so many people right now in this moment that are nervous to go on stage. I can soak in all of that and still have um, room for my own happiness and my own peace. Um, and so it, it has helped me feel, it has helped me become aware of how one everything is and how, um, how not alone that I am. Oof. Yeah, I, I can see how versatile <laughs> and useful that would be. That's really amazing. I like that a lot. So it's these sorts of teachings that I have a really fun time putting into um, layman's terms, or, or um, at least my own words, um, because Pema Chodron, um, through her book, she's a Buddhist nun that has a lot of um, teachings a lot of really helpful teachings. She was the one that I, I learned it from. And in writing that post, I thought, well, maybe I should tell it more like how she tells it. But um, I feel like there's something when somebody retells something in their own words or I'm using different language, that's just, it opens doors for a whole other type of audience to be able to access the same teaching. So being able to take teachings like that 
and um, be the, the bridge to maybe people who um, are unsure about Buddhism or, you know, trying new things out. Um, it, I, it's so rewarding to be that person who is able to open the door. So I like flipping the script sometimes, and I'm going to give an opportunity here that may or may not work. We're going to find out. I could fall flat on my face as well. But um, so you've got two other shamanic practitioners that are not the one that you normally work with. Are there any questions that you might ask of us that that we might be able to answer? Because um, it seems to me that you know, you coming at it from the other side of the table, that might provide something to our listeners that they might not have gotten from us otherwise. Yeah. I, um, the, the first one that pops into my mind is, um, say you were to meet like a, a business executive or somebody who is, um, successful, but empty, but doesn't know that they're empty. Um, what do you wish they knew about shamanism and how shamanism could help them? You have any thoughts on that, Sarah? Yeah, I'm, hmm. <laughs> I guess to me, my, I'll, my answer would be that I wish they understood the animism of it a bit more. Uh, I wish they understood that so many things, the trees, the rocks, the, the environment itself all have robust spirits. They have their own lives and their own ability to speak to us. The animals have ability to speak with us and it's a relationship of reciprocity. And so I think that I would wish that that person would understand that they might not be feeling fulfilled because they're looking at the world in a way where things are dead commodities to be used and they're not having the proper relationships with things and that 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 I would wish that they would understand that relationship is there and available for them. And I think that's where they'd find a lot of fulfillment. Yeah, much much of my answer was going to when I started really digging into the thinking about it was going to be something along that line, you know, um, and kind of launching off of what Jim was saying. Uh, when I think about weird and the tying together of ties and the tapestry we all live in, um, I, I think that a lot of people, especially upper level business executives, live in a consistent state of anxiety and vacillate between anxiety responses and elation stimulation and going for that high again um i find at least for the nouveau riche what i think too is um what state from your ancestors are you avoiding what did your ancestors go through that is pushing you so hard to just chase the dollar or chase that feeling or chase or maybe not chase but maybe run away from you know, it, can be, it can be different things like but uh, the number one thing that keeps coming back to mind is is have you considered your ties of obligation to other beings on this planet in in a whole way so yeah that, that would yeah. be yeah yeah 
yeah, I, I feel like so many people, um, probably not just successful business executives, but we're just so out of touch with, um, yeah, our ties to all of creation and our responsibility um, to foster those relationships. Um, another question I have is for those people who are unsure about shamanism, like it could be true, it could be kind of just too woo-woo, maybe they're part of other <laughs> um, other faith traditions or maybe maybe they just don't know maybe they're scared but they're interested in trying it out um what would you want to tell them fear is a normal response so is skepticism um (laughs) if you want to explore take the first steps where your feet feel firmest and then go from there. Um, there's yeah, until you start walking a path and until you start really pushing into those feelings, I, I think that it's hard to make any kind of progress in life. Um, we learn how to ride bikes that way. We have to lean into the fear. We have to lean into the, finding the balance when you begin to pedal and you're going to fall and you're going to scrape your knees and that's, that's life and that's okay. Uh, it's just the old saw of fall over nine times to get up 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, like I, would, that. I would throw in there that um, from my perspective, shamanism doesn't belong to any one spiritual tradition right? Mm-hmm. Um, that it's a job. It's our job to help facilitate people's interaction with the spirit and the spirit with the people. So um, like I know in my own practices, I've had experiences where I'll, I'll do a day of cleansings for people. And one person that comes to me is a neo-pagan or a Wiccan. And so those are certain spirits that I will call certain spirit allies that I will call the very next person might very well be a fairly devoted Christian. And so the spirits that I'm calling might be the Archangel Michael or some other higher power that so it's it should not be limited by a religion. So I hope they would not let that be a fear. And if they even really want to approach it from an agnostic standpoint, um, you know, what if this is all placebo in psychology really doesn't matter as long as it works? Mm-hmm. Is your life getting better? Mm-hmm. And if your life is getting better, if it's a successful way of making you feel more fulfilled and feeling <clears throat> like you're more in touch, then it's worked. Right. It's a, it's a, it, it's a total game changer when you start, when you stop clinging from, to, from true and untrue to helpful or not helpful. Like who cares if it's true really when you're first starting out, is it helpful? Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I see along this whole spectrum, like you were talking about being a bridge. And so, um, you know, to expand on that metaphor, really what we're looking at is a series of bridges. You are the type of person with your your 
uh, business and what you do with life coaching, that you're helping people cross the first few bridges and then they you might help them find the next bridge to cross and then they might come back to you again to help to find a different bridge to cross. And, and so it's really a whole network of people that are helping people make a lot of choices. There's a lot of bridges to cross and there's a lot of people that can help. And I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, totally. I, I think it's, it's, telling that there's a lot of, of bridge crossing metaphors that we've been reaching into this whole conversation. Um, because you know, what's, what's a shaman's actual job? Like Jim was saying, it's, it's to reach across and, and help you cross to this other bridge. Well, if you're already reaching out, chances are there's somebody reaching out on that other side who's got an open hand for you. It's kind of, it kind of reminds me of the, uh, the Tonglin practice you were just mentioning. Um, and if enough of us weave hands together, well, we can cross quite a distance just doing that alone. I may not have the answer in question, but Jim might, or you might, you might have this, this hand that reaches across the chasm this person needs to cross. Um, and to me, that's a lot of what makes up my shamanic practices. Okay, we've got this gap we need to cross. And it's my job to figure out if I'm the guy to, to begin with, if I'm the guy to help you cross that gap to begin with. Right. And if not, whose hand do I need to try and reach out for? Build bridges, not walls, people. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I also I also think it's funny you asked me how um, engineering plays into uh, the work that I do now and maybe it's uh, all about the bridges I was a civil engineer so maybe that's the metaphor I'm looking for it might be right <laughs> um, a uh, different kind Paul, of bridge building I like it. I, w- I was listening to um, a guy called Paul Young talk about um, the process of deconstructing religion or moving into a different way of thinking. And he, he's like, it, you know, if there's an alphabet, a, you know, you start at A and you need to end at Z, you know, each letter that you move, that's a bridge to cross. Um, and so I think that the, that there's countless, because who, who knows, I don't think it ends at Z. I think it's probably infinite. So right. there's a countless number of bridges to cross. But one thing that, um, has stuck with me that he said about that is each time you you cross a bridge to the next letter, um, you look back at the letter that you just came from and you're like, those guys are idiots. Like they need to learn new, you know, they need to learn what I've learned to become aware of what I've become aware of because they are stupid. And then you look to the letter that, you know, C and you're like, those guys are crazy. They're nuts. And so I, I feel like it's, it's kind of being able, uh, 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 the work is being able to figure out what language, what letter that they're on, what language they're speaking mm-hmm. to help them see, okay, you know, those people aren't idiots. You, you know, everybody's in their own process and there's actually no, uh, no above or below or before or after. And then actually letter C, there's a lot of good things there too. Um, so I, I feel like that's kind of what bridges help people do is get outside of their boxes and their labels that they put on things. Excellent. Well, I think that is a great place to wrap up. You know, I thank you so much for joining us tonight. This has been a great conversation. I've had a lot of fun. 
Yeah, thank you so much, you guys. It's such an honor to be able to, to talk with you guys. Thanks so much for your work. Thank you very much. Thank you for continuing your work, because without folks like you doing your work, ours would be impossible in some cases, if not so, so much harder. So thank you for doing your work and doing your bridge building. Happy to. Can't do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys. What would